Hello and welcome back to episode 9 of Foolishly Faithful, a Mets podcast. The date is Thursday, April 6, 2023, and we are officially one week into the New York Mets 2023 season. The Mets have had an interesting week. We've gone 3-4 and four against the Marlins and the Brewers, um, and in this episode we'll have our reactions to this first week of games, as well as um, some reactions, overreactions to the first week of baseball, uh, a little bit look at our injuries, and we'll look ahead to the week ahead. Um, so to jump right in, we're going to talk about this past week. Again, we went three and four uh, with a solid series versus Miami against some good pitching, and then went to Milwaukee and got handled by the Brewers. Um, let's start with opening day, where the Mets won five three against the Marlins. Yeah, we continue our uh, domination of opening day as a franchise. We have the best record uh, on opening day of any baseball team, and I'm pretty sure we have the best winning percentage of any sports team on opening day, uh, at least the major football, hockey, basketball, baseball, sports. It sure feels like that. Um, It seems like the other 161 games, we do struggle a little more, uh, but, you know, opening day is our day. So, of course, um, uh, Max Scherzer made his first opening day start as a Met last year with Tyler McGill, um, who replaced Jacob DeGrom due to injury, as well as Max Scherzer due to injury. Um, uh, Justin Verlander will get into his injury, of course, um, later in the episode. But uh, Scherzer with the start uh, went six innings, gave four hits, three earned runs, and six strikeouts. Um, I don't know at this point in his career, like what what do we expect from Max? Do we expect just you know a solid quality start with some swings and misses, uh, generally painless that you know you know will give him some runs, but you expect to score while he's on the mound? Um, yeah, are, is this a start that we feel good about? Um, or are we looking for him to be a lights out ace? I mean, I feel good about any win. Um, obviously we're looking for Scherzer to be a lights out ace. That's what he's being paid for. He had a fantastic season, even with the injuries last year, 2.5 ERA. Probably, I think it's actually his best ERA of his career, although he didn't qualify for the ERA title because I think he only pitched 140 innings. But still, I mean, I, I'm expecting him to continue doing what he's been doing. He's shown known sides of slowing up, and I think that we need him to continue doing that the rest of the way. Yep. I, I'm I'm confident in him. I think it's like the first game. Uh, he's going to get more into a rhythm as the year goes on. And this is probably like his floor. Like, I don't see him having many games that are worse than, than this. I feel like he, this is just like an indication of like what's going to be his average at, or maybe even like his worst. I only see him getting better, like having better starts from this. It is literally a quality start by that definition. I mean, how quality is that? But, I mean, we won the game, you know, three runs over six innings. We should be able to get more than that, and we did. I mean, it's not as dominant as he could be, but I think that's pretty solid at least, you know, considering how the rest of the week turned out. I'm I'm happy with that. And honestly, it's like I – he's been doing this a long enough time. I know, like, you know, we'll get to, like, Carrasco, and Carrasco still has been a while – but I trust Scherzer. He's he's been doing this long enough time. He's gonna figure his stuff out. I don't know if it's the pitch clock, it's nerves. If it's just he just might have got beat up a little bit. But I I trust him to figure his stuff out and be more of an ace than this. And to speak into what the, to speak into what you said, like with our lineup, we should be able to get more than three or four runs in in a game. Like we should be putting up like five or six at least given our pitchers some comfort room. That was our biggest, like, letdown for DeGrom, that he never had run support. Like, with our pitching we and our lineup, 
we should be winning games no matter what. That's true. And I think I want to touch on something David said, uh, because it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. The term quality start six, you know, the definition is six innings pitched and three or fewer runs allowed. That's a 4.5 ERA. Who who's gonna who's calling a four point five ERA a quality ERA? I don't know. I I knew you would pick up on that. And <laughs> by definition, that is what the stat is, though. Like, so he I understand. Got, yeah, I, that. So by definition, he did get a quality start, and I know that might not be quality. If you do that over the course of a year, four and a half ERA is not great. But again for our team if he does that like maybe carrasco i was saying you know if he can put up a quality start if he can put up a four and a half era it's like three runs over six innings is not like great but we should be able to top that anyway it's not it could be a lot worse than that it's it's three runs it's not like that crazy like you know it's not bad but it's not good either you know it could be a lot worse is what i'm saying like I'm, i'm okay with it when was like the definition for quality start like issue? Like was this like in the like home run era in the nineties? Like where I had the same five thought. or six runs or like was normal? <laughs> like or is this like you know in the pitching era where you know three or two runs like win the game? That's a good question. I don't know when it was coined, but I think it was more, something more recent. Just because I think it was like a move away towards the win, which has always been used to evaluate pitchers, which has its own flaws, obviously, because it's more dependent on your offense than your pitching ability. But I think that quality is, I guess, subjective. Um, yeah, I'd be pretty happy if Carrasco gave us a four and a half ERA the whole season. I would not be happy or call that quality from Max Scherzer. I don't know. Agreed. Agreed. Ooh, um, yeah, I like that take. I agree. Scherzer's um, like, like the big the big reason why his his three runs came um was he gave up a two run home run to uh Garrett Cooper in the sixth inning before he got yanked. Um and the thing about Scherzer, even when he was with the Nationals, I always he was very susceptible to the home run. Um, which is just I think reflects his style as a pitcher. You know, he's trying to he's trying to get swings and misses, he's trying to play mind games, and sometimes you just you lose that game and you get ambushed and someone just takes you deep. Um he's now I feel like he's always he's never been like a a sh- like a shutout every inning, like I'm putting up zeros. I'm sure he wants to, but like he's always been susceptible to giving up um, those home runs and getting knocked around a little bit. Um, and we'll talk more about him giving up home runs when we get to his next start. Yeah, I love that all our thoughts about, oh, this is, this is a great start is before we talk about his Brewers start, which came uh, just a couple days ago. Um, but all right, let's move on to the next game, uh, which was our first <laughs> loss of the season. That was a 1-2 uh, final score. Uh, by way of the Marlins, um, where David Peterson got the start, he he had a good outing. I mean, he hung on. You know, he was eight, he got knocked around. He gave up eight hits, but um, he held the Marlins to one run over five innings. But ultimately, the Mets fell in that game. So he did not get a quality start because he only let up one run in five innings. <laughs> <laughs> was it is it because of the hits or is it because of the five innings? It's because of the five innings. You need six innings he to did, have a quality he didn't start. Go to six. Yeah. As a reference, I think I think I will admit defeat here and take all that back. Well, comparing the two starts, which one's a better one? Peterson's or Scherzer's? That's a tough question. Like Eric said, his run kind of came suddenly, Scherzer, right? He was kind of cruising all of a and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Um, whereas Peterson felt like he was struggling the entire game to get outs. 
Uh, but results wise, I, I would take one run over five innings before I take three runs over six. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they were saying though, Peterson was getting rocked. I mean, one run over five innings is good, but I feel like the Marlins were hitting balls really hard. There were some really nice defensive plays by the Mets all, all around that really, and he got, you know, some lucky bounces and things. We, I feel like one, who is watching the game, it felt like we were getting beat a lot more than one run over five innings by him. I 100% agree. I think he let up nine base runners in those innings. Like, that's... <laughs> that gives me a little confidence to Peterson, you know, like, while under duress, like, you know, he held a team, like, and granted, it's the Marlins, but they, they have, like, a lot of talent. So, you know, to be under, like, underneath that kind of pressure all game and hold them to one run, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, All right, so- moving on to the next game. It's Sari the first, April first. Um, the Mets won this game six two. Um, as I mentioned, Tyler McGill got the sp- got the start in place of Justin Verlander. Um, McGill had a similar outing to Peterson. He didn't have his best stuff, but he kept the Mets in the game. He gave up two runs in the bottom of the second, but otherwise held on for um, a few innings. I think he might. I think he might have got pulled before six. So. Um, um, McGill went five too. Yeah, he, he went five. five. Um, allowed six hits, two walks, and he, like you said, the two runs. Um, but yeah, he said, yeah, he was pretty similar to Peterson's outing. Held on. Um, kept us in the game. We can't, you know, spot start kind of got thrown in there. Can't ask for that much more. And we got to see some offense from some some Mets we hadn't seen much of at that point. Canna went three for four with a home run and a double. Um, our boy Tommy Pham had a home run as well. Um, that's the next game. That's the next game. Excuse me. Um, Tommy Pham, Tony Pham. <laughs> um, but the Mets, I mean, again, a good win. We'll, we'll take it. Um, and it leads us into Sunday to finish off the Marlin series where the Mets won 5 1. Uh, this was the much anticipated debut of Kodai Senga. Very exciting mm-hmm. game. Very exciting game. Yeah. He had a, he had a really, he had a tough first inning where he, he gave up, uh, I believe it was a double in the first inning and walked someone, um, but settled in nicely and really showed off that ghost pit, that ghost fork. Yeah, that first inning was a roller coaster, right? I think both pitchers threw 37 pitches. Um, I think they mentioned on the broadcast that it was like the first time that has both that there were 70 pitches in the first inning and no runs scored, uh, which is pretty wild. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that first inning so- took a long time. Back to that first inning. So uh, I think Luis Arias, who we'll get into being a new Mets killer, started the game with a single, of course, and then Jorge Soler doubled, doubled, doubled him in. Um, so, yeah, aside from that first inning, he he settled in pretty nicely. Um, went five and a third, three hits, one and run, eight strikeouts. And honestly, I feel like chalking it up. I'll chalk it up to just him nerves you know this is his first start he's been they said he's been trying to get into the major leagues for like four years now or so like he was it was like hopping around it was like kind of cool to like watch him like in the dugout like as the Mets were like getting some hits together in the first inning and he was just like so excited to like just get out on the mound yeah I, I feel like it was more just like instead of like he just got rocked and you know like settled in after I feel like it was more like I mean I guess he did but I think his nerves just kind of got to him. I don't know if he was overthrowing or whatnot or missing, but he was just like, his adrenaline was probably pumping a little, a little too much there. And like, I love that. Like I'll take a player that's 
you know, antsy and excited and goofy any day of the week rather than like that serious hothead like that's in the dugout. Because it's like, you know, if you want to be out there and have fun, like, you know, at the end of the day, it is a sport. It's it's a game. And like you you should take it seriously. But like if you're out there playing and having fun, like I think that's when you're like at your best. Maybe. Yeah, I think I mistakenly said there was no runs in the first inning. That's obviously there were. Um... <laughs> yeah, the Mets scored two, luckily. Right. Right. So it, we, we we never went down. And the Marlins also scored a run. And the Marlins also scored a run. I just, I don't know where that came from, to be honest. So what are what are our reactions to this first series, um, seeing these new 2023 Marlins? I think we got a good look at a bunch of their players, um, both the good and the bad. Um, but there's, I think there's definitely a lot to chomp on here. Too good of a look at a it's interesting to see Chisholm in center field, you know, like every time I hear them talking about him, like in the, in the broadcast, they refer to it as an experiment. So, and some days it's good. Some days it's bad, but you know, you can't fault the player for like playing out of position when he's as dominant as he is behind the bat, like behind the plate. Oh, I mean, yeah, but his inexperience in center was, it was so clear. I mean, he was missing. He wasn't cutting off singles. He had a weird, kind of dive that that got by him i don't know why he dove for that ball it might have been the third or fourth game um yeah. but yeah so it, we'll we'll see how that plays out the rest of the year i wonder if they'll move him or, or if they'll stick with him so i i don't know how much more we're seeing of him i don't know if you guys caught this he actually is like injured now i think he like did something to his shoulder i'm not sure on i uh, maybe he dodged a serious injury but he definitely was like got got himself injured um that so tonight? that was wednesday night um, so I'm not sure on that. He's still day to day, I guess for now, but yeah, I thought I was honestly always under the impression of, oh, it's center field. It's outfield. Like you could play that in a year. Like I kind of was like, oh, that's like fine. Every baseball player should be able to play there. Maybe I just played outfield like growing up and maybe that was just my position, but he really was like, not like, yeah, he really misplayed balls. He took bad routes to them. Like I thought as athletic as he was, I was like center is fine. Like he's a fast guy. Like, that really surprised me of how how bad he did. Like, it's not like he did that bad. I mean, he still was, like, hatching the balls. But, yeah, definitely like, he was really misplaying, like, a lot of them. Enough to notice. It's a difficult position. I feel like it's one of the harder ones in the outfield. That's why, like, Juan Lagares always had a spot for them in the Mets. Like, he wasn't the great, greatest at, at bat. But, you know, he earned his spot in the field defensively because of his abilities. Yeah, I think that um... – Center field is one of those positions kind of like shortstop or catcher that you're kind of willing to take a hit offensively because the defense is so important. Uh, but yeah, in, in his case, it was, it was fun to, for us to watch him play center field because he was certainly learning the position as he went. Certainly. Um, and I'd say Marlins park is probably one of the biggest outfields that is in the majors. So it's going to be even, even more of a challenge for him. That's a good point. That's a huge part. It's enormous. It's like, yeah. For yeah. anywhere to try it. Like, yeah. And he, he's got to play it every day. Like, that's his home field. You know, for like a different center fielder, like, you know, you, you bounce around, you might not have to like deal with it as often. Him, that's, you know, 82 games of the year. Yeah. That's like a really good point about how big that is. And also, um, I think they mentioned on the broadcast that like the Marlins kind of just signed, I think four second basemen and we're like, we'll figure it out. Like they have second <laughs> baseman playing second base, shortstop, third base and center field right now. And um, Keith, we'll see how Keith feels about the fundies going forward. That sounds like my amazing. fantasy team. <laughs> uh, or how about that Marlins pitching? I mean, oh. they have some fantastic pitching. 
but you know what? Ours is better. At least it was yeah. that serious. At least it was that serious. I mean, that first game, the reigning Cy Young, Sandy Alcantara, went five and two thirds, uh, three hits, four walks, which seemed a little out of ordinary for him. We um, tend to knock time. him around. I think we would knock him around last year, too. Yeah, put three runs on him. Dude, um, it's also important to note that, like, before spring training, you know, Peterson and Miguel weren't starters for us. That's a good point. Yeah. And we they, held on. They worked their way up and, you know, they did a good job for us. Taking advantage of the injuries while they can. Um, there are other starters. I mean, Jesus uh, Luzardo put up a great game. Um, he's He always surprised me because, you know, I look at him like, come on, we can tag this guy. And he always just brings his best stuff and really gives it to us. Um, and then the third game um, Cabrera. What is Edward Cabrera. Yeah. Um, young kid. And I think he was a little wild in this game. I think he gave up like four walks. But he is good. He is also... Uh, they had some stat about his performance last year, which was the lowest average against in the National League, or maybe the majors, even lower than Spencer Strider, who we all love to um, tout. And um, um, Rogers is pretty good too. He's you know not put it together the last few years, but he's shown some serious flashes that he can put it together. Um, and if they you know he does, that's going to be a dangerous it. rotation. And young. Another thing to talk about from the series, that first game where um, I think Pete Alonso got uh, called on a mm. clock infraction, and then MLB came back like a couple days later and said that they made it uh, made the wrong play on that. Yeah, I think it was um, McNeil that got the strike because Alonso wasn't at the base or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Alonso was at first, McNeil was at, at bat, and then all of a sudden play stops, so like you get the strike and like everybody's confused. And, you know, McNeil, McNeil still got a base hit RBI on the 0-2 count. So all's well that ends well. Yeah, so, like, I, it's not something, like, to really argue about. But, like, it, it's nice that the MLB, like, came back a couple days later and, like, admitted, like, they got it a little wrong. But at the same time, like, I guess this is just ironing out these new rules. Right. It's actually um, an interesting point. I think the New York Times had an article this week about umpires and kind of the power shift kind of dynamic because so many umpires retired last year and i think there's seven new umpires this year maybe seven new crew chiefs like there's there's a lot of new umpires this year um and so many of them from the minor leagues have so much more experience with the pitch clock and how to enforce it than the major league umpires do um so there's kind of that a weird power dynamic there where the minor league umpires have more experience with the new rules even though the major league umpires are the heads and the ones going into it interesting I mean, as I don't know who was talking about Gary or Keith or someone, but it's really a lot for the umps to keep track of. You know, you got to co- watch the counts on both ends. You got to stop at like eight seconds if the batter isn't ready either and alert and like this, and they got to watch everything else. Like it's, I mean, I guess there they made a mistake. Like hopefully that doesn't happen again, but that's, I mean, unfortunately you feel like with like football and stuff too, it's like umpires make a mistake. And then the next day they're just like, oops, like, sorry, messed up. Yeah. That was the wrong call. It doesn't, like it didn't really affect us there, but like it doesn't really change the fact. Like they're gonna do whatever they do in the field, and they're, you know, hopefully it just doesn't happen. I wonder how it evolves. Um, like maybe do the umpires get control of the clock themselves, and as opposed to having to call time and wave up and say no, reset the clock to a certain time. Like maybe they just have like, like a button or some remote that can set the clock when they so choose. Because I really like that idea. That feels like a more direct solution. 
Um, okay, so back to back back to the Mons quick. I know we wanted to talk about Luis Arias because that man is going to absolutely destroy us all year. It felt like he had a hit every single time he came to to the plate. Um, it it sure felt like it. I mean, how many at bats did he have in that series? I believe he went nine for fourteen against us, oh, uh, which is a six twenty four clip. If you're uh, keeping score at home, it's. <sighs> <laughs> he's a really good player he can really he hits the ball everywhere and he just kind of his swing doesn't even feel like a swing he just feels like he kind of like flicks it and, it and it lands in the outfield yeah it's very uncanny like similar to how jeff mcneil feels when like he's really on and in the hit mode um, they seem like very similar players to me they were both our bat they were both the bang champs yeah, for the american league national league last year <laughs> Well, McNeil is the major league batting champion. He was our, our one true king. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to um, this really awful series in Milwaukee where we went over three and got swept and outscored by felt like a million runs. Do we have to talk um, about it? We can kind of cruise through. We don't have to spend as much time. It's not, <laughs> not nearly as fun, but we should definitely pay attention to it. Um, in this first 20. game, in this first game, the the Mets got shut out by a score of ten to nothing. Um, Cross Carrasco went four innings, four hits, five earned runs, and five walk and four walks. Excuse me. Um, in the second game, the Brewers again shut us out. This time by a score of nine to nothing. So we did keep them from scoring that extra run. Um, McNeil and Nimmo had three hits each, and the rest of the offense had two total. Um, <laughs> Scherzer got taken yard. Um, I'm not sure what his final line was, but it doesn't feel like it was a quality start because he got taken back to back to back on three consecutive home runs. That did not feel good. Um, that really reminded me, honestly, of his start in the playoffs last year where he just gave up home runs. And it felt like the world was crumbling. Um, there was at least a nice little aside from Gary talking about the non-Dairy Creamer at Great was American Family Life Field or whatever Miller Park That's is called now. Something, yeah. No, Miller the, Park, the, the, thank you. The complaint, it's Miller Park. I, I, I want to call it Miller Park. Was you know, Gary the a whole milk guy? I don't, <laughs> listen, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i like an oat milk drinker now or, or sore milk if they have it, but like the, the milk, creamer that he's milk. talking about is like the stuff that comes in like the, the pre-packaged, oh, okay. the, pre-packaged the coffee mate, which is really kind of nasty. Yeah, but I would also be upset. It's vegetable oil. It's vegetable oil. With white, like Ooh. coloring. Ooh. Nice. Mm. That's what you want with your coffee. And his complaint was that we're that they're in Wisconsin, which is the dairy capital of the country, so they should be top tier milk and dairy products. He, he talked. He I'm harped a, on a it a lot. Guy. He he talked about it so much that Keith was clearly annoyed by it. And <laughs> when Keith is having to reel you in on a conversation, you're going off the rails. <laughs> The one I mean, thing honestly, I'll say, would you rather talk about the game? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point. But that's when we get these these great conversations where you know they have to just fill in time because what? Do you, yeah, you don't want to talk about man. The Mets are down eight runs again. What are we gonna do? <laughs> it's now been nineteen innings since they scored a run. <laughs> um, and then in the last game of the series, the Mets offense finally came alive um, temporarily. Or Pete did uh, at least. Pete did at least. Uh, the Brewers the won by score two. Lindor had some hits as well. That's true. Lindor run. had two of the six RBIs. Pete had the other four. Um, and it looked good. It looked like a good game for a while. Um, the Mets went up, I think, two two nothing to start the game, and then lost that lead. Um, and then Pete put him up again, four two. And then Jesse Winker 
Mets anti-hero, also future Met, I believe. I mean, I will be happy to accept Jesse Winker in Queens one day. Uh, tie the game again. And then, of course, um, they walked it off off Ottavino. Um, so the offense was there, but again, we did not get the win. Um, so overall, was a was kind of a disappointing series again. Well, like one of my questions for that game, they brought Robertson in the eighth, and then they went to Ottavino in the ninth. And obviously, we know how that ended. So, like, you think that we should have let Robertson go two innings? Or did Ottavino, like, is he made for the ninth? Is he a closer? I think, I think it, they're trying to figure that out. I think it's like it's early in the season. And for the same reason why we had our prop bet last week about who was going to lead the team in saves, it's it's kind of unclear. We have a bunch of people who have that experience and could maybe do it, but we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they flip all year, given the situation and who's coming to bat and who has the best stats against the players coming up. Yeah, I really think it was about who was coming up in the eighth versus ninth inning. Maybe Buck just felt better about who was who Robertson was facing in the eighth versus an out of Eno in the ninth, obviously yeah, turned out to be wrong uh, for out of Eno at least um, promptly gave up the blown, the walk off win. Yeah, sometimes like, um, like overanalyzing versus letting like the hot hand go. Like, cause he Robertson had a decent eighth. Yeah. How many pitches did he throw? I know. I feel like Buck doesn't love to throw people two innings in a row or back to back days so much. Definitely saw that with Diaz last year. Um, like if he came up, like I think there was a couple of times where people pitched the eighth and they took him out for the ninth if he wasn't necessary. Yeah, Robertson only threw twelve pitches. Um, but he, yeah, he might have been thinking that I want him available tomorrow, which obviously tomorrow wasn't played. But you know, maybe he just wanted him available, so he want, decided to just cut him short and maybe use him what would have been the game today that got delayed. It seemed like that was the thought process was he was pitching the harder part of the lineup. So that's why they threw in Roberts in an eighth as opposed to the ninth. Gotcha. I mean, he did well, he didn't let up a run though. So like, that was good. Yeah. But Roberts did well in the eighth. It was uh, also like after, after it happened, I was, remember seeing Adovino like go straight to the dugout, pick up, picking up like an iPad. And like he was re watching like the different pitches. And like you can see the frustration on his face, like trying to like see where he made his error. I think that's like that was after the game. technology in the MLB. Like it's pretty cool to see how you know players are able to see like that instant like review of their own work. Yeah, we have access to all the information in the world, um, and I imagine I, I imagine that for some players, it probably drives them a little crazy too because you get to watch exactly what you did wrong and yeah. watch the entire team celebrating the fireworks go off when you're sitting there in the dugout clicking on an iPad. Well, I don't know. When I watch a game and the Mets are losing in the ninth inning, the second the game is over, like the last out is made, I change the channel. I don't want to watch. Yeah, the other team yeah, celebrate. <laughs> but on the other, on the other, on the other hand, when the Mets win, I'm refreshing my app to watch the highlights again from the, oh, totally. from the game as, oh, as soon as it's posted. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch the post game on SNY when they win. Like, <laughs> I'll just leave it on. Yeah, <laughs> tell me what Buck Showalter thinks about this. It's great. Let's recap the game that I just spent two three hours watching. <laughs> You'll you'll see the cleaners in the sh- in in the seats like cleaning up everything. It's like <laughs> it's been up for like forty five minutes now. Yeah, this pitch clock really helps the post game interviews and the post game shows. We want to get more. <laughs> yeah, I mean the pitch clock. Listen, the games have felt like they've been flying too. Yeah, like it's 
I mean, like, well, we haven't had any of those crazy short games, right? Sandy pitched a game this week where he shut out the twins and it was a one hour and 57 minute game. <laughs> like you barely getting comfortable in your seats at that point. Oh my God. I'd, I'd hate to be a fan. I mean, like you to... if you're oh, going for the, like, if you're going for the baseball experience versus like being like a hardcore, like team fan, it's like, I want to go and sit down in the seat and get a hot dog and like, you know, have the seventh inning stretch. If you have to condense that into two hours, you know, sometimes I, you know, feel like you're not getting your tickets worth. Yeah. I, I will right, say, so. like, I still am against the pitch clock. I think the games feel kind of rushed, like not as rushed. I know games used to be this fast. Like, I know that this is kind of how it used to be. And now it, this is what it is. Like, I don't know. I like the suspense. I like just the take a breather, like allow everyone to take a breath for the watcher and the players. But I feel like the games are almost more exciting. I will give them a point that like, it feels like just adds a little bit to like pick up the pace. It feels like the pitchers are getting a little more gas. You got it. You can't really sit and think of every decision. You just got to go and you got to pitch. You can't really sequence every single thing out. And I feel like the games have been just a little more exciting in that sense. I feel like it actually, I'll I'll give them some credit there. Yeah, and and speaking to that, like if you're watching like on TV, like they have this like nice little overlay where like you have like the the batter on one side of the screen and the pitcher on the other side of the screen, like and then a grayed out the clock um, in the middle, pitch clock in the th- and it's just like wow, it's like a you know David versus Goliath, like <laughs> Kong versus Godzilla, like two Goliaths going at one another. Have you so seen an overlay like that? It does make it a little exciting. Yeah, SNY. Not SNY. Yeah, SNY. That's specifically SNY. Oh, 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 where they do yeah, like yeah. the half. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. where do yeah. the, the grand. I haven't watched many games. So... No, it's actually SNY is like really good. Apparently, other fan bases are like jealous because like I actually we don't have like anime that style. I don't well, love that. Look at, look at us. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew that we were good for something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So final, I guess, reactions on the Brewers. Um. They're veteran pitchers. Uh, I mean, sorry, our veteran pitchers uh, got roughed up, right? Scherzer, Carrasco. Yeah. Um, both got kind of taken to the cleaners there. Yeah, um, I mean, they, again, it is like, this becomes the balance of, is, is our veteran pitchers good because they have the experience and the know-how of how to game a batter like Scherzer does? And then where where does their like body and their stamina fall off? And where can they compete? And I think it's the balance that, doesn't really have an answer, but it's making me believe that maybe we need some younger arms who can really throw some gas and and the excitement. Um, what else happened? We roughed up Corbin Burns, uh, a former Cy Young winner who now has a nine point five ERA for the season. That's Obviously, right. two games in, so you know, well, hard to judge him just on that. But we were able to do it. And then um, Pete Alonso looked like a mid-season Pete Alonso in that last game of the uh, Brewers series, and you all know why, right? No stash. He shaved, he shaved his mustache, and now he's hitting balls. Let's, Let's go. The rest of the year. You know, there's not, there's not going to be another mustache the rest of the year after that game. Nope. He's he's the kind of player that would be like superstitious and like just be clean shaven, like I, like a personal like razor like uh, barber coming in every day. Like, uh, but he I want, like, want he it, is I good want though. It more that means more hot dogs. Pete's type of player who will will if. If he's going bad, he's going to make some sort of change and he just needs to get his head right and then he'll hit two home runs and he'll somehow be back. Yeah, hopefully he can get a little streaky. I feel like Guillaume last year like shaved his beard after like starting like 0 for 21 
and then had like three hits in that game and then started growing his beard again. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? Of course, he, he kept a complete different player. Oh, oh yeah. My God. I didn't recognize him. Surprised they let him into the stadium. Mm. Like, sir, do you play baseball with us? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I swear. Okay, so I think that'll probably wrap up our first half here. Um, in the second half, we'll jump into just general overreactions to this first week of the season, as well as a little chat about some of our injuries and then the week ahead in Messland. So we'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to Foolishly Faithful. We're in the second half. We will jump into our overreactions to this first week, as well as the injury report in the week ahead. But we have a surprise, which is a trivia question. Trivia. trivia. All right, I'll pass it to Steve for this, this week's question. All right, this week's question comes courtesy of a longtime listener of the podcast, Ben Marcus, a friend of the podcast. He gave us a trivia question. I think it's a really good trivia question, so we're going to ask it. And the question is, which Mets manager leads the Mets in being ejected from games? Who has the most ejections from a game as a Mets manager? Um, Mm. The hints I will give are that I think it's a really good question for two reasons. One, because everybody definitely knows his name. And two, because it's a hard one to guess. That's a great hint. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the hint is it's hard. Do well, we that, have the that, was the I, that was the reason I liked the question. Um, but I, I do think it's hard to guess. I don't think you really you'll really like think of it. I don't think he comes to mind when you think of uh, longtime Mets managers. So I guess I'll leave it at that. Uh, and with that, we can uh, let's go into our re- overreactions. Um, so do you, you don't have the number of you don't have the number of ejections. I do, do 20, 24 ejections. Ah, okay. Which is it's actually a substantial amount. Um the, the a lot of games to lose your manager. The law all-time leader for ejections in a career is Bobby Cox, of course. Who I don't know if you're our age and you followed the Mets around that time, you probably witnessed Bobby Cox getting thrown out of many Mets Braves games. Yes. Um he has been ejected from 162 games, which is a full season. He missed a full season of baseball being ejected from a game and fighting with umpires. Um, That's pretty amazing. In one season? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was that was a career. He's like, he was on a mission, like, I'm going to do this every night. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to watch a, three hours of baseball? That's crazy. <laughs> you said 162? Was his career record, yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's weird. I'm seeing actually multiple different numbers. I see, like, 158, 159. And then three in the postseason. So curious how you can get that wrong. But I got baseball reference told me 162. I accept baseball reference that, as Bobby Cox's number. And that's total, probably. Like we'll take the three postseason. Maybe we don't need to like split hairs on yeah. I'm just this I, isn't I, this isn't numbers. the answer to the trivia question. This is Bobby Cox we're talking about. Yeah, right yeah. There. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, let's jump into some overreactions. Back to the Mets. Um okay, so the first thing, first thing I want to talk about. Our pitching concerns. We've already touched upon it with Scherzer and Carrasco and the age. Is pitching a concern? Like, is, I mean, how, it, it, I feel like on the expectations for these pitchers, especially the big dogs with Scherzer and Verlander, is that $43 million means that you're going lights out every day. Um, are we, are they washed? Are Scherzer and Carrasco washed? I think Carrasco is washed. I wouldn't say that much for Scherzer, but I don't really have much faith in Cookie. I didn't have much faith in Cookie last year. I thought that if he had a good start that was like flash in the pan, or that he was more destined for like average starts. And like I'll take average starts. Like I'll I don't want to say that he's washed in a sense that like 
he's like trash, but I think that he's just going to be average at best from now on. I agree with that. I think that Carrasco, we we just need average from him. At this point in his career, that's probably what he can give us. Is he washed in the sense that that's going to be his norm and he's not going to be able to get out of starts like he just did against the Brewers? I think that's a severe overreaction. On the other hand, that drop in velocity he had during that game is was scary. Um, and I think it goes to show what this pitch clock is doing to some of the less fit players out there. It's it takes some stamina now to be a pitcher. You don't you don't have 20 seconds in between each pitch, 40 seconds between each pitch to kind of gain your breath again. You're gonna get the ball and go, right? Yep. For those players that tried working the count or you know, throw on a variety of pitches. It's a lot different than people that could keep up with just high velocity cons- consistently. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if he was, I mean, now I feel like everything before 2023, I kind of forget, but I'm trying to remember if he was a one of those pitchers who took a long time in between. I feel like he did because he just like, he always strikes me as just, he's a larger guy. He's like 6'4", 220. Like he has a very, he's a very intentional pitcher. Um, so I think, yeah, that pitch clock, I hadn't considered that, Steve. I think that that's a real good point that having to work that fast probably re- like affects the, the drop in velo. He, I think he also had two violations, um, two pitch clock violations this past game. He had one before he even threw his first pitch. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I think that we saw that kind of across the league in our first seven games, or at least across the Mets, as well as the uh, Marlins and the brewers is that the pitchers lost steam a lot quicker than they usually do i don't know if that's because it's the early in the season and i'm just attributing it to the pitch clock because i'm expecting it or because that's really the what the pitch clock is doing to these guys but it it looks like they're they need to work on their stamina there's an article on the athletic it's actually showing like you know i guess baseball savant or whatever it is and it's showing a chart and it definitely was dipping throughout the game um, so in like the first or the second inning, it was around, you know, 91, 92, but in the fourth, it was like dipping below 90. Um, and then one of his, like he threw a fastball 88.7, which was a home run. Um, so it seems like it was just, you know, whether, whatever the two seam, four seam, what, regardless, it was, that's not very fast for a fastball. And it clearly was dipping. Honestly, I was going to start this off and saying, I don't really think he's washed. I think I'm on the other side of things and everyone's saying he's washed he's you know get him out of there i still think he's a veteran and he'll figure it out i but yeah the that looking at this definitely is a little more concerning and we're not saying washed in the sense that like he's not good anymore like he's definitely gonna get quality starts by that metric you know he'll go six innings four and a half earned runs like like i think that like that kind of is like a quality start in a sense like i'll reference like we said like in the first half of the show like with our lineup we should be scoring four or five runs a game to give our pitchers that kind of support um i don't think that he's going to be lights out like scherzer and i think that Scherzer's like in a different category where he's going to have to show up a little bit more but i think that this might be the norm for carrasco and might be a little bit better i don't think that this is going to be too much worse though like i think this could be like his floor as well as the ceiling yeah i don't think he's washed like you just like you just said ray i just think the the days of him having a mid twos to low threes era are gone 
I don't yeah. think he's he's going to be a seven ERA pitcher going forward. No. no. Yeah, I mean he's still better than many many players in the major leagues right now. Um, it's just a matter of finding the adjustments. Um, and you know, working with what you got, and maybe I don't know, maybe it means changing the game plan too. Maybe that means not trying to power pitch or you know, just trying to focus on location, whatever it might be. Yeah, he's he's been around a while, and like I don't know, I know Peterson and McGill they're coming up, but I feel like we kind of know what we have. It's more of a staple, at least. You know what? Like even if he's not Scherzer, he's not going to blow people away. But he is. This is not his first year either. And if we if he can get a four and a half ERA, like it's not good, it's not necessarily quality, but I'm I'm okay with it. We know what we're getting, and we really should be able to beat that. I would hope he kind of figures this out. If this is a stamina issue, you know, he really wasn't injured last year necessarily. He really he had the most wins. He really was able to pitch most of the season for us, albeit you know, yeah, he's gonna have some bad games in there, but. I think if he could just figure it out, I mean, I don't know, maybe he can. I don't know exactly if he's waiting until the end of the timer here maybe he can like wait a few extra seconds or so maybe he can realize like he's a professional athlete i know he's he trains in the off season it's not like he just like he's not like bartolo cologne <laughs> you know he's not like I, I don't i mean i'm not a professional athlete but i would hope he can you could not compare it out. him to bartolo cologne i'm saying he's not yeah. bartolo cologne is in a league of his own that's true yeah he is a he is a pristine specimen there i would take bartolo cologne in our lineup today if he was willing <laughs> yeah light up I think it's a funny thing about that in baseball, especially with pitchers, is that you didn't always need to be an athlete to be a pitcher, right? Like you had always had those David Wells or the Bartolo Colones who can be like that bad body pitcher. Tommy Hunter is not exactly an athlete, and we'll get to him later. But I think now with this pitch clock, you're going to need to have more of that stamina that an athlete would have versus like someone who could pitch really well, you know, right? I mean, like, there's there's plenty of examples of baseball players who have not been elite athletes in that sense of like having athletic ability outside of the baseball skill set, which is like that fast twitch hand eye coordination move. And that... Bruce like weigh a ton of pounds at night. Of course, he ate a lot of hot dogs, right? Hey, you know, there's a reason why I do what I do. <laughs> um, okay, um, how about our hitting? What hitting? how do we feel about our lack of offense? <laughs> or or sporadic offense rather. I felt like I was gonna be eating a lot more hot dogs at this point in the season than I am now. You know, the bats aren't really getting over the walls. And maybe we should take a break here because I don't think we've ever actually talked about this on the podcast. <laughs> With the hot dogs, Ray Ray is on a mission oh. this year. For anybody who doesn't know, oh yeah, um, I forgot. Like I missed a couple of weeks. He is on a mission to eat one hot dog during the season for every home run the Mets have hit. Um, I'm at five so far. He has not consulted his cardiologist. He has not consulted his physician, as far as I'm aware. Nope, nope, nope. Um, we're all a little concerned for him. Luckily <laughs> for him, the Mets don't hit a lot of dingers. Um, but maybe with the new Joan Payson club, you know, maybe he's going to be eating a lot that more. Seven, the seven extra feet will result in 40 more home runs. <laughs> I, I think um, I referenced like the numbers last year and like. Not rooted for our guys over in the Bronx, uh, 256 home runs or something like that. It's like that would put me over like my 170 numbers. is fine, yeah. But like one hot dog a day for six months, you know, come on, not too bad. But Ray, you also had two hot dogs today, and the Mets did not play today. 
Well, he was I, making up. One for was a while. makeup from yesterday. <laughs> and so he's getting ahead the other of it. One, I'm paying it forward. He's yeah, he's he's predicting a home run tomorrow, Eric. And well, he's also he's also going to the game tomorrow, so he's gonna have some. I'm hot supposed to be going to the game, game today. Right, right. I'm, right, right. I'm outraged. They they called the game. They postponed it, saying that inclement weather. <laughs> we should play it on Friday, and with just a spot of overcast, they decided that on the, probably the nicest day that we're gonna have. It was gorgeous today. It was yeah, so nice. They, they canceled the game. So I'm going to go tomorrow, and it's going to downpour in the middle of the fourth. <laughs> and All right. I'm not going to be able to eat my hot dog when Lindor hits a blast in the second inning. That's my prediction. <laughs> well, at least you'll have already eaten the hot dog, right? So um, oh, back wait. to the Lindor Mets. In the second is very unlikely. He's probably lead off. I take that back. Let's get back to the Mets offense saving Ray um, a quadruple bypass and <laughs> talk about how they're not hitting home runs or hitting at all. I, I got a little, I got a little excited. We're talking about hot dogs. It's a passion of mine. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the hits. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes they come, sometimes they don't. But mainly, they're not RBIs unless they're like again Pete's home runs like in Milwaukee. The two two run home runs were nice, but. That that always, you know, as just as a fan of baseball, power always worries me because it's more sporadic and it's more streaky and it's obviously harder to hit a ball 400 feet than it is to hit it 120 feet. So, yeah, the the the, the lack of hitting without um without uh, when runners are in scoring position is really concerning at this point. I think that was one of our issues last year too. Like we were notorious for leaving runners on base, like and like you said, like. RBIs are are our issue. Like we'll draw walks, we'll get singles and doubles, but we really don't excel at getting those runners home. Yeah, I think. Yeah, this, like we, I'm sorry. Yeah, this Mets, Mets offense kind of feels like they picked up from last year, where last year left off. They're hitting slap hits, they're getting on base a little bit, but they're they are or they aren't getting bunching those hits sometimes, and it can be frustrating when they aren't. Yeah, or hit by pitches. You'll get we'll, we'll get hit by pitch the entire time. We just can't get our boys home. Yeah, we're doing all we need to do to get you know to right to get the boys on to move around the diamond. But then you can't. It's feel it feels like we're not sealing the deal. And it's like sometimes you just have a runner on third, and it's like I would just just someone hit a double. I know you don't need a double, but just hit a double. Just show that you can do it. Just show that you have the pop, and that people should be scared of you. Yeah, it was um, really nice though that. Uslandor, I feel like he's clutch. I, I no metrics behind that. I just feel like when he's up, like I can trust him to like pull in runners there. Like I mean, he what hundred something RBIs last year, and yeah, like it was nice at least the last game that he got. He was pulling it around. So you know, it's one game, but I would hope that he can start picking it up. At least him and Pete woke up, and those were the lifeblood of bringing the rbis in so if they can start waking up and they can start bringing people in like i i have faith in the, in the team like our team should be hitting and all these injuries i feel like it's coming more for the pitchers more than the hitters like our hitters are all still here we should all be we should be scoring more runs yeah like the the we play plays there was some good pitching we faced you know like oh forgot who was in the brewers um like the first game he was he was pitching well. Like I, he definitely was having good stuff, but he didn't pitch nine innings. Freddy Peralta was that? Yeah, Freddy Peralta was. Peralta give him some. Yeah, Peralta was doing well, but regardless, he didn't pitch nine innings. Just like six. Probably so. one of the better closers too with uh, Devin Williams. Yeah. 
That's a, that's your fantasy team. He got injured a little bit as well, but yeah, we should be getting. We should not be getting shut out, especially two games in a row. That is not. I do not like seeing that. It's hard, especially. I mean, Miller Park is a very good hitters park as well. Um, I would have. I mean, especially what the Brewers hit. It felt like fifteen home runs in three games. I know it wasn't that high, but it felt like that. And to see only the two Pete Dongs go out uh, didn't feel great. I will say. I feel like they've been away the entire year. It's they can go home now. They get an extra day of rest. They can see their families. I know the whole season they're traveling around, you know, back and forth, but they haven't been home yet. So let's hope they can get do that and you know get some optimism in there. And let's hope this turns around a little bit. It's a long season, you know. It was not great, and I think they know that. Like <laughs> this is not what they're looking for either. So. Yeah, I think they'll I think they'll turn around. That's one of the nice things about that's one of the nice things about having opening day being postponed to Friday. You know, instead of like, you know, catching a flight yesterday, getting off the plane at minimal time to rest, see like David said, see your family or whatever you have back in New York. Now they had a whole day to recoup and, you know, reflect on four losses in past seven games. Like I think it's a good way to start a homestand. They have at least seven seven games coming up, or maybe it's a ten game homestand. I think they got three with the Marlins, four seven, three so. with the Padres. Yeah, I think I'm. And go. who do they have after the Padres? I think they then they're away. Then they go to A's. So uh, seven games. Go out last time. Yeah, yeah, quick six game homestand actually. Six game homestand. Yeah. Um, but l- luckily it is just the first week. Um, you know, that's seven games is about four and a half percent of the baseball season. It's a long season. Um, so a slow start, but hopefully we'll catch and, uh, we'll write the ship from here. Yeah, I agree. And I, I was just back on the last point about the, the first homestand. I think I was feeling that same way about the Brewers. I mean, it was their first homestand. Like they're, they're happy to be home and start swinging the bat and, you know, getting their fans cheering them on as well. That's a good point as well. Yeah, it works both ways. Yeah, so I hope we see that as well. Um, and that is interesting. Sorry, like all this like pitch count and you know the pitch clock and whatnot and stuff. How much does home field play advantage? I know football, it's definitely a lot bigger deal. Baseball, maybe not so much. But does that actually mean more this year? Like, I I feel like it was going to, and we just got swept in a in a dome. Like, how much more does the sound reverberate there? I mean, it's the first. It first series, like I don't know how much like they, they didn't really sound like the Brewers were like that loud, but it was pretty much a sold out crowd. I mean, I feel like home field advantage is gonna mean a lot more. I think I think home field advantage always plays a factor because you know how many seasons that you come in where you hear that they've changed the dimensions of like the outfield walls or like oh, you know, the Mets the Mets I think this past season just pulled the right field walls in. Yeah, you know, you're trying to play to your team's advantages. You know, if you know you have hitters, if you have a lot of lefties hitting bombs out to right field, you're going to maybe pull those walls in a couple of feet. Yeah, I I more meant that, like, now the fans, there's a a timer there. The pitcher can't step off and just take a breather and, like, take all the time as he wants. Like, the hitters can't just step out as well. There is literally a time limit on there, and they have to – 
Like they have 15, they have 20 seconds. They have to do what they have to do. And if the fans are getting in there, you know, you can't hear the pitch clock. If you can't hear anything, like you got to pitch anyway. Like there's, you're under the gun literally. And like everyone's yelling at you mm-hmm. too. That's all I meant. Like, yeah, I understand. Oh, okay. there, that's all I meant. That there's literally like, I bet as the game goes on and there's a pitch clock and I bet the fans are going to start yelling like off the count too. <laughs> like what they do in basketball with the shot clock. About? We yeah, saw that in spring good. training. Yeah. Like field goals, like when everybody starts waving. Uh... Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, that's gonna. That's only gonna get worse as the yeah worse or better, whatever your perspective is. As the year goes on, it'll be very interesting to see how it develops. That is for sure, or if they make any more changes. Um. Okay. Should we run into an injury report? Um. Do we have time for an injury report? Do we have to? <laughs> Do we have time for an injury report? Yeah, because it's so large, it's such a a list. Yeah, we're Mets fans. There's always time for injury report. <laughs> Speaking of injury um, report, before we get into it, we are now, I don't know if you guys saw the new uniforms, sponsored by New York Presbyterian Hospital. Uh, we have these oh. giant patches on our uniforms that look kind of like about the same size as those ADP patches that were on the Marlins uniforms. That were I didn't so even ugly. make that connection. Oh, no. I did but not like, even make the connection. You have to have a hospital sponsor us. That's so Mets. I mean... I- I did not think about that. I didn't that's think about that. Either. Hilarious. Really? Like, that's the first that thing funny. that came to my it's mind. Fitting. It's fitting. Like, oh, like come on. Be. Like, we're already always injured. And like. But, but here's the thing. I guess you could say about a lot of things, right? If you if you wanted to make it like a crypto sponsorship, it's like, oh, it's going to collapse as well. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Silicon Valley Bank is going to destroy itself. We just pulled pull up a picture. That That's a huge patch. That's a huge patch. I don't know if it's the angle, but like I'm looking at a jersey of Alonzo, like 20. It's yeah, just that's... about the size of the zero. Like I know yeah, it's that... on the arm and not in they the center. They should make it more but... circular and put like a like a target. Yeah. <laughs> just like just hit here for injuries. <laughs> a target on the shoulder. <laughs> oh, can we get Target to sponsor us? That'd be that'd be on point. That's, that's so like, yeah, with all the hit by pitchers. Oh man. That's it's really like, when you get hit, when you get hit, we got your back. <laughs> you know, you know some of those parks that have like hit it here, win a car in the yeah, outfield. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's well, like we have that with here, the lottery. Like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, hit it here like, win, Mets, like Yeah, but it's like other, our patch on our sleeves has hit it here, like in a trip to the IL or something. <laughs> All right, oh, but man. to the to the injuries and to New York Presbyterian. Oh dear. Okay. Well, <laughs> the first injury, um, which happened, which we got news of right after we recorded last week, was Justin Verlander um, is out for also an indefinite amount of time. Um, Tyler, McG- Tyler McGill is still in his spot currently, um, but he has an injury to some muscle that I had never heard of before. A major something muscle. Yeah, it made it sound worse because the word is major, and everybody was like, <laughs> "Oh, it's a major injury." And he's like, "No, it's it's it'll be okay." And but it says major. <laughs> All right, so Verlander's out. So that's you know totally Mets one big know, one big ace. You got to start before being injured. Perfect. Um, Tommy Hunter, who gave up five runs to the Brewers in the ten nothing loss, um, is now yes. in a fifteen day IL. Fifteen day IL. I wonder if the um, it was back spasms. I wonder if having to pitch two innings so laboriously kind of did that to him again. He was another one who's just not really an athlete. Uh, yeah, he's kind of get the bad body pitcher again. Yeah. And I, scans come back negative. He's like, I, I swear it hurts. It, it really hurts. Um, like, that was his excuse for giving up so many runs. Yeah. Thomas, there's no injury. No, no. I, I swear I'm hurt. <laughs> I mean, he's been injuries have really like, you know, really hurt his career the past year. I think yeah. with the Mets, yeah. I haven't seen much of, much yeah. of him at all. Um, um, our other 
young rising star Bryce Montes de Oka is getting Tommy John surgery and has been moved to the 60 day IL. That's a bummer. He was, he was looking good in spring training. He was throwing some heat. Um, It was originally said it was a minor bicep issue. A minor. Yeah. But now it's full TJ surgery. Um, in bigger injury news, um, Brett Beatty, another rising star, left a minor league game with thumb soreness. Um, imaging shows no structural damage, but obviously it's a big concern. Um, I'm not sure if it's his throwing hand or his catching hand, uh, but the hand is hand. never, yeah, the hand is never good in baseball. And it's, it's also the thumb that he had surgery on last year, um, so. Oh. It's you know, hopefully not a relapse, but the image they did say the imaging is clean and it's just a sprain and he should be back, but we'll see. Oh, that stinks. Um, and then Omar Narvaez, our one of our new signs, is out as of today, eight to nine weeks with left calf strain. Crazy. Um, he's looking good so too. He's been he was playing well. I mean, he was. I mean, he he he's scored on one of those plays in the Marlin series, and he oh, was he really hustling. He, he had a good slide for the go-ahead run. I was, he was chugging. Yeah. So I'm, that's a bummer. Um, but that does mean we get to see Francisco Alvarez called up um, yep. earlier than we predicted. So hopefully he can just jump right in, get some good playing time. Um, and yeah, shine, shine when shine on an everyday basis. Eight to nine weeks. He's, he's getting his playing time. All right. Like he's, yep. I'm sure he's not going to start. Friday, I'm. I you know who knows if he's going to start any of the games, but he's definitely going to be playing a decent amount. I mean, yeah. better now than in the last series of the year against the Braves, needing to win it for the division. I mean, this is obviously much like less pressure situation. I mean, this is this is his chance. Like, there's there's no one else. Like, he's got to you know let, let him run with it. It's time. It's time. Yeah. I think Nito will get most of the playing time to start with, though. I think he'll probably get like 60 to 70% of the games, and Alvarez will be more like spelling him. Yeah, I'm just saying eight to nine weeks, though. Like, that's yeah, he'll, he'll get his opportunities. Yeah, you know? yeah, that that's getting like enough opportunities for him. He's gonna, it's true. Um, one of my friends, this is an unconfirmed number, but apparently 80 million dollars in new contract money is currently on the injured list. Um, Ooh. doesn't that doesn't that feel great? Excellent. I guess you're including Diaz in that. Including Diaz, of course, too, but still. Um, Well, at least we get the Diaz money back from the World Baseball Classic. That is true. (laughs) With Um, with how deep our pockets are, I'm not too worried about that. (laughs) Like, it's not like it's not like the Will Ponds where like they're pinching pennies. Yeah, I gotta say, I think we've mentioned the Will Ponds every episode so far. (laughs) We secretly love them as Mets fans. It's just we just love the music, Uncle. Trauma, trauma bonded. Yeah, (laughs) trauma bonding about the Will Ponds. Um, all right, so let's look to the week ahead. Um, again, the Mets Hope owner was scheduled for today. Ray will be attending tomorrow, um, hopefully eating many hot dogs. Um, for this next series, for this next series against the Marlins, we have Tyler McGill going tomorrow, Kodai Singer going Saturday, and Carlos Carrasco going Sunday. Oh man, I'm excited to see Senga's uh, home start. I want to see the fans. I think okay. they're going to be excited to see him. I think Saturday will be a good game. It's a 4 p.m. game. Hopefully, you get some good families. Mm. It's a good action, you know, um, people cheering them on. And then after the three against the Marlins, we have a big series at home against the Padres, who, of course, are um, one of our main competitors in the National League. Uh, they, the have re- they have re-upped. The dads, the San Diego dads, have re-upped this year with 
more stars. Um, so they will be a test for sure. While we're talking about the Padres, I think we should note uh, Seth Lugo's start this week. Um, he's finally getting the chance to start baseball games, which is what he's always wanted to do. The Mets thought he was more valuable as a reliever. I loved Lugo. I thoroughly enjoyed watching him. I hope nothing but the best for him. And he killed it in his first start of the season. I think it was seven innings, uh, one run, or was it no runs? Um, he had a great start for them. I kind of hope he get to see him and he gets a nice standing ovation at City Field. Yeah, I was definitely excited to see him. Went after him in uh, my fantasy league. It's a good quality start. Got a, wi- uh, a win against a podcast friend, Maya. But I'm, I'm... she's... I'm very jealous you got him in our fantasy league. I used I exhausted one of my picks very early for him. Oh, we uh, always reach question, we always reach for Mets. Always reach for Mets. Yeah. A question like on the topic of Padres. Um, when does Tatis come back? Is he is he eligible he to play? Back April twentieth. That's from oh. that's that's a very suspicious date that he's getting uh, unreleased from his drug suspension. <laughs> very suspicious. <laughs> you were very eager for that. Like I, I have it, him on my fantasy team as well. That's where I I know that date. Bro. I didn't even get the question out, and you were jumping on <laughs> because that's a very suspicious date. <laughs> We've talked oh, about this already offline. Yeah, we talk, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're I'm I, glad we're I, seeing I the Padres. The suspicious stocks. Yeah. I'm glad we're seeing them three games before Tatis gets back because if That'd he's, be, yeah, that's you know, if, if we, when we play him again in San Diego later, later in the season, they could have a fully stacked squad. So I'm um, glad to get him now. I hope I don't play, play you that week. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we are about wrapped up here. We need to squeeze in our answers to Steve's trivia question about the Mets Mander and the most ejections. Um, Ray, let's start with you. Do you have an answer to this trivia question? The trivia question uh, refreshing was managers <laughs> that have been ejected. The the much manager has the most ejections from games. I want to say Terry Collins. I feel like that's like a that's like a gimme, but I'm gonna go with Willie Randolph. That's an interesting guess. I feel like he's so he was so even tempered. Um, so, the answer is not Willie Randolph. I, I figured it wasn't. My first guess was Davey Johnson. That's um, my guess too. Just because and it, it's wrong. Um, no, but just thanks. because like the 86 Mets had such that hothead like mentality that I felt like he would have been injected from a lot of games, but it wasn't him. Have yeah, you ever were... watched the ESPN nothing uh one night in Queens? Uh yes. Fantastic. Well, Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, this all, is all a, the, this I thought all the cocaine that was flying around the clubhouse <laughs> would have gotten into David Johnson, uh, you know. Yeah, it was, it was so much flying around. But sorry to like distract from the trivia uh, question. David, you got one. I think I know the answer, so I'm gonna yeah. choose not to. Um, whatever. All right, I think, I think we got uh we everybody got their guesses. Then if you if you think you know the answer, go for it. Well, no, I know that I, we discussed this uh, the other day, so I do uh, know the answer. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll let you give the answer. <laughs> um. So you know, I'll give like I guess. Uh, I'll just go into it. 24. Um, the answer is Joe Torrey. Uh, I, I was totally stumped by this. Uh, I don't associate him with the Mets. Uh, certainly not yeah, longevity. Uh, um, Yogi Berra is another kind of guy. I didn't, wouldn't have associated with the, the Mets, but he, it wasn't him either. Um, Bobby Valentine had that famous ejection. So he, I, he, he was kind of a thought to my head, mm. but I think that was my first guess, but that was not correct. Joe Torrey manager Joe Torrey, of the Mets yeah. and the Yankees. One of the, one of the many. Yeah, uh, but many. definitely much more known as a Yankee. Definitely. Okay. Um, well, I think that wraps up our episode. 
Um, this week's this episode is sponsored by Nathan's. <laughs> well, how many Hebrew I ingest as many hot dogs as I plan to, or the Mets intend for me, we might need a sponsorship because I don't like cheap hot dogs. Well, Ray will also be sponsored. can sponsor your <laughs> cardiac surgery. Well, we're, we're hitting every base. Oh dear. Um, we'll take sponsorships. If anyone is listening and wants to sponsor us, we will we'll accept it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if it's yeah. funny and a Medi thing, I don't know. I don't, I don't need like some. We're not monetizing. Yeah. Yeah. And Nike, don't even ask. We're not. We're not accepting. <laughs> um, do not listen to what my friends say. We will take any money anybody's willing to give us. Yeah, just kidding, Nike. You're great. All right. Okay. We will sell our souls to anybody. All right. I'm gonna cut us off before we ask for any dirty sponsorships, but I guess we'll take those too. Okay. Um, so that'll do it for this week's episode of Foolishly Faithful Immense Pod. As always, if you have any questions, trivia questions, um, or fan mail or complaints, you can email us at foolishlyfaithfulmetspod at gmail.com. Uh, on behalf of Ray, David, and Steve, thank you all for listening. Let's go, Met.